0: This is getting out of hand. Now there are two of them. Where's your innovation, huh? Sequels suck. Do the same thing. Everyone's happy. It's all about money, boys. Here we go again. Hey, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Fatigue. This is a show where we explore film series one movie at a time. I am your host, Gabe Green. And as always, I'm here with my co-host, James Hamrick. What's up, man? Nothing much. How are you? Pretty good. Are you enjoying our spooky October horror series that's not in October?
1: Oh, yeah. I thought that, you know, at first it, w- it was made clear that we weren't going to be able to get to this like right at the beginning of October, but uh, I just find it hilarious that it's November 2nd we're starting, but...
0: Which is recording day. It's not going to come out for another that's week true. or so. so.
1: But uh, <laughs> still had my sights set on this series, so...
0: Yeah, so the original concept was to do a horror series in October, but star wars is huge and massive and there were delays so it pushed us way out of uh, october into november but uh we still we still wanted to do a horror series anyway so we will be talking about the evil dead uh series from sam raimi so before we move into the discussion of the uh film itself I want to ask you guys uh if you enjoy the show to please take a moment to go and rate and review us it on itunes and then like us on facebook we would really appreciate that Alright, so uh, we are here to talk about the Evil Dead series. Is this one that you're all that familiar with, James?
1: Uh, So, I think I actually watched it for the first time early this year, maybe around in in January. Uh, It was in anticipation of us joining Eric over on Gut Reactions when he had that up. Um, And I was only able to watch the first two, so... Uh, I'm still looking forward to being able to. Wo-
0: you missed the best one.
1: That's what I've heard from a lot of people. So I'm excited.
0: So let's just just move right into it. Uh, James, why don't you tell us a little about how this uh, film came to the big screen? Sure. So in 1978,
1: three friends—Bruce Campbell, who was at that time an unemployed college dropout, Sam Raimi, and uh, Robert Tappert, who were both students at Michigan State University decided to make a feature film together. Uh, Ramy and Campbell had already made several projects together um, and Tappert was looking to, to join with them um, after befriending Ramy at Michigan State. Um, they, they were very familiar with the comedy genre already at the time, but they decided that that tone would be maybe difficult to sustain over the course of an entire feature film, especially one that was, you know, they were going to try to actually advertise and get out there um and so at tappert's suggestion they decided to produce a horror short uh called clockwork which was written by ramey to experiment with the horror genre because tappert said um this is how a lot of directors and a lot of people would get into the film uh industry
0: yeah it's a v- very highly profitable genre at the time yeah it's- Still yeah, was actually.
1: early 80s, especially after, you know, the, the late 70s, pretty much restarting it completely. Pleased with this as a new direction, the three would then spend their time at local theaters watching horror films and taking note of audience reactions to kind of gauge gauge where their interest lied. Uh, what they learned was that fast-paced films that never really let up seemed most effective at capturing and engaging audiences and their mantra became, the gorier, the merrier. Um And that is on full display with this film. Um, So once they kind of decided on the direction they were wanting to go, uh, Raimi was studying at the time HP Lovecraft uh, and was especially impressed by the Necronomicon or the Book of the Dead uh, and used it pretty much as the basis for their project. So in 1978, the three ended up making their horror short Within the Woods, which gained the interest of producers and would serve pretty much as the template for their feature film, The Evil Dead. As for the cast of the film, uh, Bruce Campbell would star as the lead Ash Williams. Um, Ellen Sandways, who had been on board with them um, with Inside the Woods, returned uh, and played Cheryl Williams, Ash's sister. And then Sam Raimi actually put an ad in the Detroit News which ended up leading to the casting of Hal Delrich as Scott, Betsy Baker as Linda, and Sarah York as Shelley, which comprised the entire film's cast.
0: So in, in 1979, after cobbling together the beginnings of what would eventually become a roughly 300 to $500,000 budget, uh, from friends, families, and various investors, uh, they found an abandoned cabin in Tennessee that they fixed up as, to serve as the main location. The cabin didn't have a basement, so all the uh, the scenes in the cellar were shot in the basement of Rob Tappert's parents' house. The crew was very small, made up mostly of uh, friends and family. Uh, we also like had you know the cast doing all their own stunts, and supposedly a lot a lot of them got hurt during the filming. And they said that Sam Raimi enjoyed tormenting the cast, especially Bruce Campbell, which is something he seems to enjoy doing. Basically, still till now with uh, <laughs> Ash vs. Evil Dead. Like he, they said that he thought that they thought he thought that a mix that um the maximum pain and annoyance on set would translate to uh you know the most horror on screen. Which I don't know if like looking at the final product, I don't know if he's wrong, but that had to be a rather miserable set to work on. I'm sure there were a lot of short tempers. Yeah, but he was like constantly just aggravating them and like there's a story where uh, bruce campbell like twisted his ankle falling down a hill and so sam ray had a stick and was just poking him <laughs> in the ankle <laughs> it's just yeah he's crazy um is it was a an notoriously difficult uh shoot due to the cold and the very remote remote location basically in all the interviews the cast and crew is just talking about just how miserable and cold it all was so after it was shot during the editing actually joel cohen you know of the Cohen brothers. Was uh one of the editors, or uh, know, he was an assistant to the main editor? So he worked on the film, which is kind of interesting. Him and uh, Re- or Ramey and the Cohens kind of became friends after this. Uh, distribution was very different back then, especially for tiny films like this. So that they screened it at a bunch of different venues as The Book of the Dead, and then eventually when they finally found uh, a distributor, they changed it from Book of the Dead to The Evil Dead. And then they got into Cannes, where Stephen King saw it and gave a, a really A rave review which helped them get New Line Cinema on board to distribute the film Uh, so that's a very abbreviated story of the production um, which is very fascinating Um, just kind of a really crazy story of how these crazy kids got together and made this movie with pretty much nothing more than willpower Um, if you're interested in that story at all um, I would advise you to go watch good bad flicks video exploring the evil dead on YouTube it's really good It, it goes really in depth into the production story which is very interesting so we kind of already talked about your first viewing. Uh, for me, I think I saw this, I believe, uh, in 2015, uh, right when I was finally kind of allowing myself to even, like, open opening myself to even the possibility of watching horror. I watched, like, the Scream series and uh, Tucker and Delver's Evil, and I think I watched this. Like, I was allowing myself to do kind of horror comedy, um, which th- this film isn't terribly scary, <laughs> I don't there are really unnerving sequences but yeah I, I i could tolerate this at the time uh so i i enjoyed it like the, the 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 obviously low quality kind of turned me off but i still just the overtop nature of it all is just kind of appealing so you know despite all the technical and writing issues i still kind of enjoyed it um and then i watched the rest of the series and i, ha- I haven't seen it again till uh this week uh, so just to get into the film james you're kind of the horror guy what are your thoughts overall on this movie
1: uh so i actually really really love this movie um i think part of it may come from just the story in the background of it of just three guys be like you know what let's let's do this and try to make something out of it
0: oh yeah as someone who wants to be a filmmaker that, that story is really inspiring
1: yeah and yeah, in a weird way, you know the the budget is absolutely there. Like you can see that it wasn't a what huge budget, budget. Well, exactly. But in it, that's part of what just feels so inspiring to me about it is it's it's literally just guys and a camera and anybody they could get to like do some makeup for them and however long they had to shoot. But even beyond that, uh, I I think my favorite thing about this is Sam Raimi um his direction is just so enjoyable to watch where he's just like focusing in on incredible levels of gore in like a really gross but also kind of funny way and especially like when we get to the end of the film and he's just playing with all these weird ideas like with the the pendulum and the cro- uh, on the clock like just making these crashing sounds as it hits each end and, and the camera being in the attic kind of like you have the, the the weird sound as it plays, as it goes over each individual rafters. It's just, there's so many weird things that he does that he, it feels like he's always experimenting throughout and just makes for what I feel like a, a really engaging film from start to finish. Well, from... I guess after the first fifteen
0: minutes, and then to finish <laughs> from from the start of violence exactly. until <laughs> the finish. Uh, yeah, you imagine the sound design. Like the sound editing in this film is absolutely terrible. Like half the dialogue is like you can't even hear because the, the mix of sound is terrible. But the sound design is actually really interesting. Like the way the way he you know he just like puts in sound effects and just in really odd places and. All the sounds like really loud and dynamic, or and and this is this this there's this constant like eerie undertone, like just like the creaking of the cabin and this really unnerving sounds he puts in the background that are really effective, just by you know a really less than ideal sound mix. Um, I think this sound is one of the one of the reasons that it is so effective, and it's interesting that I don't I don't know that Sam Raimi and them were actually trying to do anything comedic. I mean, there, there are j- obvious jokes in the film. And I can't help but think of the shot of uh, Bruce Campbell wailing on his girlfriend in the door. <laughs> was intended for anything besides comedy, but like overall, from what I hear, they were they weren't they didn't set out to make a comedy. They, they thought they were making a real horror film, but somehow with Raimi's sensibilities being so over the top, it turned into you know one of the classic horror comedies. And as the series went on, to once you got to Army of Darkness, it's like full on comedy. I think it is interesting how how just in, the intention behind that you can still have a really. A quality product that wasn't even what you intended to make
1: though you know it is it is cool seeing the initial reactions to this film because um i mean we we have things like steve uh people like stephen king who just absolutely loved it and and it was very well received and considered you know like scary at the time um i remember my first viewing was just watching it at night and you know whenever it gets to just all out, like, Jack, Peter Jackson levels of, like, Splatterfest, it's it's super enjoyable. But I think he also does a pretty good job at, like, building tension and, um, you know, even whenever the production doesn't seem super high quality, you know, as we're just slowly creeping from door to door, um, it, it seems like he knows how to film it right.
0: Yeah. Okay. I do have to make kind of a disclaimer here. Like, I, I've made it very well that horror – isn't my my genre? It's not a genre I particularly enjoy. or Go out of my way to to seek out. Um, so it's not a genre that I'm inclined to you know make allowances for. And you know, we we all have like I'm an action guy, so when I watch action films, you know I'm probably a lot more forgiving than, than people say who say enjoy dramas or something. And so when I come to this genre, I'm not as forgiving of you know the problems and issues with with these films that I think I would normally be, and other people are. Um, so for me, I, I enjoy this one. I see a lot of quality, but also I, d- I don't know that I like it all that much. I, I think I liked it even less on, the, on this rewatch than I did on my first time. Cause I, I think it's, I guess just moving to kind of criticism. I think it's, it is kind of boring for a lot of like anytime insanity isn't happening, which is thankfully a lot of the movie, like anytime things aren't blowing up and, and you know, there isn't blood splattering and ashes and screaming, it's kind of absolutely really dull like there's no humanity in this movie there's no heart there's like i don't even know if there's an actual script because like the the dialogue all feels like stuff you know they made up on the day there doesn't actually seem to be a plot it just seems to be they went out to a cabin and shot a bunch of stuff and stitched it together like outside of sam raimi's insanity and bruce campbell being the ultimate good sport <laughs> there's really not a lot here you know so like for while things are happening, I'm having fun, but like, we, like for the first 20 minutes, I don't like this movie at all. Like there are some, there are some cool elements like the, uh, the, the, uh, the swing kind of rocking into the house as he's walking up or that, or the shots that are following the, the car as it's going up the drive, the, uh, the, the road a really really unnerving and, and the, the Deadite camera I, I don't know what it's called but the, where they have the camera that's running low over the ground with that really creepy demonic sound back like they, there are elements that are really good and really creepy but whenever you hear they're focused on the people they're not characters like I don't I don't know any of their names like watching this movie I don't know if I would know any of their names I know Ash because he's he's, he's become the hero like I don't know who they are I don't know what they want like I I, I wouldn't even I, I didn't even realize their relationships to each other to like 20 minutes in like Is Ashley the girlfriend with this boyfriend and girlfriend with this girl, and who's this other girl? Oh, I find like after she's attacked. Oh, she's his sister. It's like there's there's no humanity to this movie. Uh, Sam Raimi had no interest in that in his script and direction. So it's just like until he just goes crazy with the fireworks. There's just nothing engaging, and when the times like when the film does quiet down after ha- after most of the people are killed it just kind of grinds to a halt again until things start splattering so like i do enjoy the film and sense like 70 percent of it is that I, I i'm having fun but yeah that's kind of in spite of the fact that there's really nothing else in this movie for me
1: um i think i agree with part of that but i i disagree with the lack of heart i think that even i mean you can really tell that they that ash became the character we know ash to be like Later on, probably you know in Evil Dead 2. but because it was Campbell, I th- I think there is a a level of like passion for the for the character of Ash here.
0: Uh, is there like I wonder I wonder were they trying to be um kind of uh, subversive? Like he's not really the main character. Like I would have guessed the main character was the other the jock dude, um who's probably the best actor in this movie, which doesn't say much.
1: Who gave <laughs> but, me I'll- very very like. Great value Harrison Ford vibes.
0: <laughs> like I think he was probably like you would think he was the lead. like I don't I wonder if like making Ash the final girl was trying to use the person. I don't know if I want to give them that much credit, but it, it is kind of interesting how he's kind of very much like alien. He's just kind of in the background. He's just kind of there, and then he only becomes the lead because everyone else happens to die. See, uh,
1: to me, I, I think because he played the monster in the first one, it almost feels like it was. It was a, an intentional decision to, well, to you know, leave well,
0: him. Well, obviously that. But I was. Just, I wonder like it was intentionally subversive or it was just. Well,
1: yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. It, it seemed like you know, you, you we we went the classic route with with having Cheryl be or whoever her name was in the the original short. Like, it seems intentional to me because of those roles swapping. Like, you know what? Let's let's do something that that we didn't do and that the genre didn't do. And, um, that's for the heart, I don't know. I think. I think there's just a, a goofy level of heart with it. Like, as cheesy as it is, like, the scene on the couch with the necklace is is so ridiculous.
0: The most, ugly, like, plain and uninteresting jewelry I've ever seen. <laughs> Which they probably bought at a pawn shop that morning. <laughs>
1: on, on like, some gas station on the way to the cabin. Uh, but I don't know, like like, the... the kind of classical sounding like romantic swelling music during that scene, I think the movie does kind of care about the uh, the characters and if not the characters, at Ash at the least. Um, and I think, they're, I think they care about the characters because the film seems to want us to care about them as well and whether that works is one thing or not <laughs> but you know, it just there's so many moments where ash cannot bring himself to kill some you know the axe has to be taken from him you know we can't bury her she's our friend tying up his girlfriend with the chains and then unable to to use the chainsaw and
0: okay I'll, I'll give you that
1: and yeah and so i you know i'm certainly not it's incredibly engaged with who these people are but i think the intention was to kind of endear us to them to a certain extent so that we kind of Sympathize with with Ash as the night goes on. Um, it's in my first viewing. Actually, I did. I tried watching this film probably a decade earlier with one of my cousins, but we only got 15 minutes in because my dad walked in. Um, and we're like, ah, uh, yeah, this is probably not going to be a movie he's going to enjoy. And at that time, I was okay because 15 minutes in, you haven't seen really anything substantial at all yet. Um, I'm. I think this most recent viewing, I kind of learned to enjoy the first 15 minutes more just because of how cheesy and ridiculous it is. Like, the the scene in the car where Ash is like, this might be nice and his girlfriend's just like, yeah, it's it's just so ridiculous and it I can't believe they actually put it on film and thought, you know, this is <laughs> going to be part of the movie. But it's, there's, there's a level of like, there's something endearing about it to me where it's it's so goofy and they, they probably know they're not the best actors and they're being intentionally silly with, with the reactions and um, I don't know, I, I've come to the point where I, I do enjoy watching that. Um, but again, I think the thing that you did hit on though is even if, you know, these quieter moments aren't your cup of tea, you know, they, they took that that idea away from watching all of these other horror films of, you know, people respond to a movie that like once it starts, it just doesn't let up and that is very much this movie, you know, from the the second they're forced to put Cheryl into the basement, this movie is pretty much throwing blood at the screen with only like maybe five minutes in between every now and then for some sort of lull, um, usually shorter than that even. Uh, and I think one of, one of the things that impresses me most though, is because so much of it is just gore and splatter and like intentional and like almost like this just a slapstick level of like gross out stuff i don't feel like it ever gets too repetitive um, it seems like he's always finding new ways to to be entertaining with with all of the the makeup and the gore effects and everything um, like yeah, uh, the decap the decapitation and the the blood just pouring out all over him, and the dismemberment of I forget who it, who it was at first. The uh, first to
0: the sister was it or no? It was the uh, it was uh the other dude's girlfriend. The
1: jocks, juxt- yeah, and the uh, camera just uh, pans the floor. There, there are
0: no names. There are no humans in this room.
1: Exactly. Uh, but just you know, the panning of the floor—it's like you've got all of these like arms and legs just kind of like shaking around on the floor. It's oh,
0: the, the visual of the when they get stabbed and they start melting; and spurting out milk or whatever. And that does get to me. That's like, I just don't eat while watching this movie.
1: Oh yeah, it's so nice. And, and, and honestly, you know, it—it it isn't among the scariest films I've seen. But I do think he's able to make a lot of it feel just kind of unnerving and uncomfortable. I'd watched it with a, a friend last night who usually kind of rolls his eyes at, you know, cheesier horror films but it said, you know, just the laughter of Cheryl and like seeing um, Ash's girlfriend just kind of sit in the in the doorway <laughs> laughing like it, it's it's weird and you can't help but kind of like laugh or smile at it but at the same time, at least for us, is. There's something really creepy about it. And I think it, like the demonic voice modulation, the 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 glass eyes um, that they had a lot of trouble with, the, the contacts they had to wear were apparently incredibly thick um, and they could only go so long wearing them before they had to take them out and, and reshoot it. The way possession is portrayed is like as over the top and silly as it can be. Like, there's something really creepy about it to me. And I think the the shots of... of cheryl's head peeking up through the um through the basement is always creepy to me
0: very much yeah and also the way like the, the way that like she like gets excited whenever they're being attacked and she's like banging on the door up and down like getting all excited like yeah it is like we, like he'll uh, help keep cutting back and forth to the person being attacked and fighting for their life to her you know you know knocking on the door and it, it does get really unnerving I think the strongest element is uh, Raimi's visual direction, especially once it gets to horror, where it's, it's like always in these uh, Dutch angles and like, appropriately so, and it's just this, the camera movement is is you know very dynamic. Um, you can tell that you you can really see his uh, his potential as a director and the fact that you know he has become one of the most visually dynamic directors out there you really see that like the camera is always doing something weird and it doesn't always work there's a lot of scenes where it just doesn't work but he's always there's like the scenes where like ash is like literally standing on top of the lens or we're looking straight down on him or you know just the the, again as i mentioned the the ghost cam that there's a lot of just interesting visual flourishes i think really give the film its life
1: yeah, and you know we talked about the the sound design earlier, but the what, I think the way he he uses sound with visuals is so cool. Where it's like there's they're both really cool, isolated, but when used together, like the shot where we start kind of upside down and we slowly revolve towards Ash's head, and the sound just like really swells the closer we get to the head, um, and then just when he kind of pulls almost all sound out when he goes up to the mirror and you you hear just like the sound of the splashing water as he touches the mirror, Um, that whole sequence of of Ash kind of like losing his sanity at the end, Um, that's such an entertaining piece of like of the film for me, probably my favorite part. Um, and, And one of the things that I think helps that is you know, at this time, Bruce Campbell was not among the greatest actors by any means but I think because of the nature of like the film and where the character is supposed to be by the end where he is kind of like coming to grips with the sanity, you could kind of just ask him to look like over the top paranoid and then laugh maniacally on a dime and then like just dead, just a complete deadpan face with sweat running down his brow like back and forth and it's just like his lack of acting skills is kind of hidden by the fact that he's he's just able to scream and make funny faces and and that's what he's supposed to do
0: <laughs> and i think i think one, one going back on what i said i think one element that does kind of show a little bit of heart in a really weird morbid way is how the deadites will taunt them like that's, that's one element i like about all the evil dead house it's not like they're just evil demons they still retain all the memories in pers- and person and kind of, the memories and so they they use that to taunt them and then they'll turn back into the person like oh it's me i'm all right now then they'll turn around and rip your face off. Like the way that they go back and forth is, is kind of unnerving. Like when, the, when his his girlfriend does turn back and then you're like, he goes and hugs. She's like, Oh no, don't, don't, don't. What's she going to do to him? But uh, yeah, that, that element is also quite effective. It's just the, the, the way the deadites look is very like, they'll be fine. And then she, the scene where she's looking at the window and then she like whips around with all the makeup on it it, yeah, it. it is, it, it all kind of comes, all that insanity comes together to make sequences that are both kind of funny and gross and sort of unnerving (laughs) all at the same time
1: yeah i think between watching this and the second one and and peter jackson's dead alive i've i've kind of realized that i'm i might be a really big fan of just splatterfest gory movies um especially when they're when they've they're directed with these kind of sensibilities of just like it's it's so over the top that we're just trying to entertain you with as as absurd like scenarios as we possibly can.
0: Yeah, I can enjoy that. I think I think I'm gonna have issues with the Evil Dead remake, which looks to be like as gross and gore, like gory, but also trying to uh, maintain an element of realism. I don't I don't know how that's gonna work for me. Um, but this this is like it's so the blood is so fake. Everything about it is so unrealistic that it's just kind of funny.
1: Yeah, and that's that's kind of something that i really love about the 80s in retrospect where i can like i can see the intention but i can just kind of enjoy it for what it's become now. like like moments where the pencil is stabbed into the ankle it's just like (laughs)
0: that's horrible
1: it's so like fake looking but at the same time like you know because the foot is entirely stationary and you can almost just see like the rubbery skin but at the same time it still somehow comes across as like really gross and like it
0: still hurts and the way she breaks the pencil off and side of her Ugh, like
1: my gosh. ankle just kind of stiffens up as i watch it yeah it's it's weird how it, it just it does not look realistic or feasible or plausible and, and yet it's still very very effective
0: i'm kind of glad that all the classic slashers didn't have the quality of gore effects we have now because like they would have all been like rob zombies halloween just like this dark horrible realistic just you'd be just like wading through it, it just—I don't think it would be as enjoyable if you're looking at like realistic-looking gore effects. I think something about when it's fake, it's you can kind of have fun with it.
1: Yeah, and I think again, you know, we a lot of what we're talking about with this movie is just what they were able to do with what they had, and I think part of what makes me like these kind of this this lack of focus on realism is. It, it allows for the creators to kind of give their own mark on something because if you're going for realism, then eventually it all looks the same, you know, like getting a leg chopped off looks like getting a leg chopped off if you're going for realism. But if, if you're just, if you resign to the fact of like, we're just gonna make this our way and we're gonna be as zany as we want with it, you know, dismemberment for Sam Raimi looks very different than dismemberment. For anyone else, and um, and I think it allows a a very unique take on on the gore effects. Um, and reading through some of the behind the scenes features, Ramy had his own like special ingredients for the fake blood he used that he was very attached to. Like this is how I make my fake blood, and and then you know when you get to the end of like the decomposing corpses then it's just free reign to use whatever effects you want. And it's, again, it's so fake looking, but it's still like really gross and effective.
0: Yeah. So uh, I don't know what all to talk about. Like, cause normally we get really deep into a film and discussing the arcs and the themes and they just, this film doesn't do that. <laughs> so like, I don't we, we, you know, we talk about the effects and the, the direction, but I don't know. I'm kind of running out of things to say without without kind of repeating myself on how, on how much I like the like the direction. Like, do do you have much else to say about this?
1: No, honestly, I, I'm kind of okay with with shorter episodes, um, especially considering, you know, Evil Dead as we know it is kind of more influenced by by what we're going to see in the future, and so I I don't think we have to force any conversation.
0: <laughs> One last thing we talk about is. Is there any logic, as far as you can tell, of why people are possessed, and who, and when, and how that works? Like, it seems like sort of like it comes in through the injuries, except, uh Bruce uh, Ash gets pretty mauled <laughs> towards the end, and he still isn't possessed. Like, I don't. Know, did you think they actually had internal logic, or is it just like whatever the heck we want?
1: Yeah. So I, at first, you know, I thought it had something to do with, you know, any sort of penetration.
0: Um, oh, that's such that. <laughs> oh, gosh, that scene, um, which
1: takes us to that scene, which is, ah, oh, man, so uncomfortable to watch. That's
0: but, like, that's because you have, you know, a couple 19 year old morons, who just like, oh, what's the most shocking thing we can do? Let's have a tree rape, just <laughs> Ugh. yeah,
1: it, it is, you know, like looking into, um into the behind the scenes and what they were really wanting to accomplish with this film. And so much of like what can be gathered is just like, what is the most shocking thing we can do and how can we just sustain that? And I mean, if, if anything, you know, the, the movie's remembered for it. Um, but, but with yeah. that though. Um,
0: it's a very cheap shot. Okay.
1: The, yeah. I don't know. It, honestly, it, it almost, it kind of reminds me of, of things like Alien, where it's just, it uses these uncomfortable kind of, of visuals that just feel so intrusive.
0: But I think it actually uses that just to, to do something, like, it, in the Evil Dead it just comes and it's quickly forgotten.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's the thing, you know, because that, I, I knew of this scene before I, I saw it, and I was kind of surprised at how, the movie moves on from it without trying to say anything about it. And so yeah, with with Alien, it's there's something very specific being said. And with this, they're like wouldn't that be cool? like just horrifying? Um, but all that to say, that's that's kind of what I first thought because then we've got the pencil being stabbed into the ankle and the next we see she's possessed and um and of, of course the the other guy Scott, he's he's gone outside and mauled by the trees and he comes back in and is eventually was
0: that a little weird to you like he like he goes missing from the film for like a half hour ch- i mean, like 20 minute chunks like when he goes outside he's just gone and it's just ash being tortured then he comes back also so I'm like oh yeah i forgot you existed and then he passes out on the floor for like another 20 minutes <laughs> does that feel weird to you at all like, did he even die on the floor? Like, what happened there? So I think, well, it was weird because, you know, when you say he
1: went missing for 20 minutes, it didn't feel that long to me. And that's almost what made it more jarring where, you know, he leaves and he's like, uh, I don't know about you, like, I'm going to walk. And he, he just, he goes off by himself. And it feels like five minutes later, he shows up and he's just like completely ripped to shreds.
0: I, I was like, wondering, like, what, what, what's happening? A cat our cast just walked away and he's gone but hey it really the me. movie
1: is like surprisingly engaging when it's just Bruce Campbell looking funny at the camera so I guess for me I didn't notice anything too too jarring by it other like it felt more like I said it felt more jarring he <laughs> just kind of stumbles in and is like it's the trees but that that idea of it of it happening through some sort of like whether it's the trees or it's just a pencil like some sort of injury like you said but, but then again yeah he's he's kind of Ripped apart throughout the movie and finds a way to, to stave oh off the,
0: the scene where she's clawing at his calf. Oh, like, I know, that's bad. That's that's really really horrifying.
1: Yeah, watching with my friend last night, he's just sitting there going, M-, at, at, on one hand, you're, you know, you're shouting like you idiot, move! But at the other hand, like you're just like tensing up because it looks so nasty.
0: All right, uh, yeah, this is just like there's really so, so little of substance here to talk about. So I think. Uh, we're gonna move on to a close. like it's it's kind of telling that we couldn't even find opening and closing quotes because there's like there's absolutely no any, any dialogue that actually stands out. All right, so um uh, upon its initial release, it grows two million four hundred thousand domestically and twenty seven million worldwide for a total of twenty nine million on was roughly a three hundred thousand to five hundred thousand dollars budget, which is you know incredibly successful. I was actually really surprised to learn it earned that much worldwide, I and mean, especially for that time period, for the size of movie this is.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe it's because, well, although you know, eighty-one, that the slashers weren't as prevalent as they were. You know, Halloween had only kind of kicked it off just a couple years earlier.
0: When when, when was a uh, Friday the Thirteenth?
1: Um, I think that was nineteen eighty. So, so maybe it's just they kind of audience has kind of got a taste for just gore effects and teenage death that they're like ready to consume whatever would else would come out at that time
0: yeah you're 78 1980 then you yeah that's this is pretty much kind of the birth of the slot or not maybe the black christmas camp but this is like where it really kicked off i guess so as far as the uh, reception it's i think it seemed to got pretty uh universal acclaim in the horror community um and I didn't look too much into what critics said at the time, but I think it got, you know, pretty similarly uh, was well liked. However, due to the uh, extreme violence in the movie, it got placed on the, the uh, video nasties list, which is kind of this uh, group of films. I think it was mostly, that was mostly in England where films were like, due to either you know, violence or pornographic content were kind of censored. Or, um, it was mostly kind of in the early eighties. Uh, you know, I can't imagine why this film got on there, but yeah, that <laughs> happened. Uh, but since then, the uh, film's cult status has really grown um, to the point. You know, th- this—I don't know if this series would have become, or this film would have become the legend it is now without the sequels. I mean, especially when, like when you look at the character of Ash, the character of Ash that we know is not the, is not Ash Williams from this movie. So I think I—I I don't know. You know, what, at what point this film's status is is more to the the series, but either way, this film is still very well respected in its own right. Um, it definitely has its own uh, cult following you know there's this kind of arguments over you know a lot of people still place this as the best in the series um and you know it spawned uh you know this 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 film with uh, two more sequels and then a re uh, then a remake and then a TV show that ran for three seasons which we won't be talking about it I I do like it a lot but I I don't I don't think I like it enough to actually devote <laughs> three episodes to it um and it also do this comics and video games so it, it's become a rather legendary horror series and, and one of those it seemed like one of those you know kind of foundation stones for what the genre became later on and obviously bruce campbell has gone to be kind of an icon in his own right uh especially within the horror genre but it's just kind of he's just got a cult following just on how amazing his chin is and all that
1: i was about to say you don't get chins like that and not develop a swallowing
0: once a generation man <laughs> I love that his autobiography is named hail to the chin
1: that is amazing i didn't even know that
0: yeah uh, like he's a, wasn't David Reason. He's such a fun. Like he's so self-aware, but like of what his legend is. But he's he's really fun and engaging, and he completely understands what he is. Uh.
1: And that voice, it's awesome.
0: Yeah, and no one can you know spin one-liners like him. So and then obviously this launched the career of uh, one Sam Raimi, who has done like a few little things, like I don't know, launching the superhero genre as we know it today. Yeah, nothing big uh although he has disappeared what, what like what happened to sam raimi i don't know but it's really depressing um yeah, he, he made he made uh odds the great and powerful which made it wasn't a huge hit but it made it made money and then he just kind of vanished you know he was involved a little bit. he directed one episode of ash was the evil dead it's been like five or six years he he was uh he was just now like within the last two weeks signed uh you know in talks to direct the uh what was it, the King Chronicles or something?
1: Yeah, I think I think I heard about that.
0: Yeah, which is, I'm I'm just glad he's making something again because I was almost worried like he'd just go into retirement or something. And the guy's got such a crazy vision. Like, you know, it doesn't always work. I don't like all his movies, but when it does, you get something like the Spider-Man films. You know, there's this perfect blend of heart and insane uh, visual direction.
1: Yeah, I don't mean when he, whenever he directed the uh, the horror film Drag Me to Hell. I was I was so excited that this was going to be like his return to horror and you know maybe you know be here to stay because that's actually i i really really enjoyed that movie i'm i'm rooting for him to to get this new series uh but really I'm i'm rooting like you i'm kind of rooting for him to to get anything
0: finally what is your star rating for this film um
1: for this one in particular uh i go with four stars i oh wow i really really enjoy this movie um I think you know like I said with with the more quieter moments I, I have very little problem being engaged in some sort of way even if it's just kind of like laughing at the silliness. Um, I think that there are moments that are pretty scary like where you know just going from room to room looking for someone that you know is going to be around some corner um, and I, I'm kind of just completely in love with Raimi's direction, like the scene where where Ash goes down into the the cellar again and you've got the light bulb filled with blood and covering the projector and just constantly cutting back and forth between his face. I'm I'm so entertained by it and the way he uses the gore effects are so gross yet compelling and I don't know, by the end of it, I feel like they somehow gave me a fully entertaining feature length film despite the the budget and everything I, I can't help but but really really love it
0: mm-hmm. yeah, so I originally gave this 3.5 and on this last year I actually brought it down to a 3 it's just I'm bored for so much of this movie and even like when things are happening there's still just a lot of bad, poor filmmaking it's just really I'm constantly having to make allowances and overlook things and for me like what the film does bring as far as your know, pleasure it doesn't outweigh all that much you know all those problems so I, I eventually just looking at this you know the raw talent on display emphasis on raw uh, I I can see its value I, I do enjoy it but I'm not it's not one that I think I'll ever really I'll never really rush out to see it I, I think as he went as this as he as a filmmaker, the series went on he, he you know he found something I think Evil Dead 2 he found something stronger Um, it's just this film has it's like it's it's mostly just promise and potential for me Rather than you know anything great in and of itself, unfortunately, There's still you know, three stars. It is it, that is a positive uh, rating. I do kind of enjoy it. Yeah. So that was the Evil Dead. Uh, that will be our shortest episode yet of, on a uh, on franchise Boutique, and possibly underrated as well. So again, I'd like to ask you guys uh, if you enjoy the show to please take a vote to go and give us a rating and review on iTunes. If you want to follow us on Facebook, we are there as Franchise Fatigue Podcast. And we are on Twitter as Twitter and and we are also on Twitter and Instagram as at Franchise Pod. And if you want to find our other episodes, you can go to FranchiseFatiguePodcast.com. And James, where can people follow you.
1: Uh, so you can see, you can uh, keep up with what I'm watching and, and hopefully reviewing on Letterboxd. I am there as J.L. Hamri. It's J-L-H-A-M-R-I. Winding down on horror movies. Sad. I was not ready for it to end. Although at least going through this series, we'll, we'll be able to give it a little bit longer
0: life. And I am also on Letterboxd. I am there as Gabriel Green. Then I'm on Twitter as Gabe A. Green. And I am on Instagram as Gabe the Great Green. Alright, uh, so next week we will be back with the sequel slash remake, The uh, Evil Dead 2, which is, that'll be an interesting conversation on its own. Yeah. Which I do uh, seem to recall liking quite a bit more than this one, so I think well this one will be a bit longer. A bit.
1: <laughs> so, until next week, we will see you in the sequel slash remake.